0: Welcome to Mercedes' Second Chance podcast, where we share real life stories about addiction, getting clean, and being given a second chance. Amir, how are you? I haven't seen you in so long. It's so good to see you. Your hair looks great. You You look great. All right. Thank you. So we are here on Mercedes' Second Chance Podcast, and we'll just jump right in. Amir, why don't you, first of all, let's tell us your name and who you are.
1: Yeah, my name is Amir Islam. Um, I am an executive director f- for the residency program. Formerly before that, I was the um, community project manager for Macklemore, Grammy Award winning uh, artist. Some of y'all may know him for uh, the work that he's done in the music, and yeah. so a lot of sport- a large part of my work has been, you know, uh, community um, philanthropy and, and entertainment.
0: Cool, cool. Okay, so you said residency project—that's the name.
1: No, the residency. So the residency, the residency. Yeah, the residency is a, a performing arts institution where we have two hundred plus of performing artists throughout the United States that perform, and we give them opportunities to go and perform in arenas and throughout the country and. They do original music, and at this point, we're almost like a record label. Um, yeah, we have, yeah, we have young artists who have record deals with Epic Records, and you know, and some of them are uh, traveling the country doing what they love to do.
0: All right. Well, where are you based? In Seattle, Seattle, Washington. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. So before we go into that, um, you know, I know a lot about you, but I want to know even more. So. Um, What's your story behind, um, you know, the executive director and everything that you're doing? Um, Why don't you just tell me a little bit about who you are and maybe even how we know each other, but really mostly who you are and what happened.
1: Yeah. um, So, one, thank you for having me, you know, on your show. I appreciate it. And I, I really love what you have and what you're doing. You know, I think it's important to be able to have people like yourself represent, you know, the recovery community and and speak to our story and speak from our narrative, you know. um, A lot of the work that, you know, in particular, although I work in the entertainment industry, um, what what ended up getting me here um, was recovery, honestly. You know, if I wasn't a person that was involved in the 12-step programs, if I wasn't involved in recovery, I would have never met you, I would have never met some of the people that I work with today. Um, and my life has been, you know, directly impacted and changed because of that. Right. And so,
0: okay, wait, let me, let me, let me interrupt you. So when I look at you, right, I'm like, okay, this guy looks good. He looks like he has it together. He has his suit, you know, he looks expensive. He looks like he smells good. You know, he looks like he could be from the hood. We don't know. Um, you know, and so when you say recovery and 12 steps, like that's a really spiritual thing and recovery from drug addiction is like a big thing so it's hard for me to look at you and say oh yeah he was an addict you know um so tell us a little look i want to know like what happened because i almost don't believe you
1: yeah yeah absolutely um so it's funny because like before when we were coming in and and we were talking a little bit previously you know part of what i was thinking about was my mom and my mom Mm -hmm. had (laughs) her my mom has this picture of me when I was a baby, right? And I think a lot of parents, you know, they have, we all have that, you know, fresh home from the hospital, you know, picture of our child, you know? And um, I think a lot of times, what people think about around addiction, um, they just always think like the bottom story, right? Like the, the, I was walking around shoeless, doless and holeless. you know what I'm saying? Uh, All my teeth fell out, you know what I'm saying? All my hair fell out, my kids left. (laughs) me. And, you right. know, all those things, right? And, and that's a part of also of my story as well. But I like to take it back, you know, to the story with my mother, you know, who brought home a child, who brought home someone who was innocent to this world, who had, you know, dreams and hopes and aspirations for that child. You know, my mom was a single-parent Black woman, a queen, you know, who grew up in the Central District of Seattle herself to really, really work hard, you know, to make sure that she invested um, the best things for me that she possibly could. You know, uh, I remember my mom in particular, you know, she at this time was a she was a custodian Mm -hmm. um, and my mom, you know, let me just take it back a little bit further. I was born in 1981, right? In 1981, when I came outside the hospital, Reagan had just got shot, right? So I grew up in the 80s, you know what I'm saying? So I grew up around, you know, uh, the war on drugs, you know. Um, I'm from, you know, a neighborhood called, you know, the Central District was also, um, I was from a street called Yesler. And on Yesler, there was a lot of, you know, uh, dope fiends and, you know, people who, they would call them dope fiends or prostitution Um, But then there was also a lot of great things also in that neighborhood. We had Black community, we had culture, we had a lot of those things. But growing up in that neighborhood, my mom, she never did any of those things. My mom wasn't a prostitute, my mom wasn't on drugs, my mom was, you know, a hard-working single-parent Black woman who did the best that she could. And I remember a a large part of my upbringing, my mom would get me dressed early in the morning, I would probably be about six years old. She would make breakfast you know she'd get me get me dressed up put my little prep little uniform on and you know have me looking real nice and GQ and she would take me to the bus stop and I would go and I would have to go to school you know and I went to Saint Therese, I went to a private school you know I went to a private school as a young person right so that was the that was the outlook and the shape that my mom had for her son you know at that age you know what she was uh when she was uh, growing up you know she probably wasn't too much older than a lot of young women, you know, 20, 29 years and then, old. You know, yeah. but, she was, but she was, you know, ambitious and she was set out to make sure that she was setting up the best that she could for her son. Yeah. Now, why do I say all those things or I paint that kind of a picture? Because I think that we have to be real about what you just said. You know, you look good, you smell good, you know, so we think, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you got this executive director job, you know, you traveled the world with, you know, celebrities, with Macklemore, you, you're you putting kids in, in arenas and tours and, you know, your life seems to be really, really good. Right. And so they can't they can't see, you know, what I'm saying the, the addict. Right. They can't mm-hmm. see the person that's in because there's a person in recovery today. Right? right. And so before that, you know what I'm saying? There was also somebody who had a child who had dreams and it wasn't just about than being an addict, you know? They never knew that they would be born with the disease of addiction, like my mother who was, you know, working so hard. And years later, years later on in my story, I would come to find out that I was born with the disease of addiction. And um, it was when I was, you know, when I did hit those bottoms, you know, when I found myself downtown in the Chinatowns, you know, trying to speak Vietnamese for a hit of cocaine, you know what I'm saying? Um, That I realized, you know, hey man, maybe it could be, maybe it's the drugs, you know? Um, and then I was blessed with an opportunity to go to treatment. And when I went to treatment, I found out about the information, you know, um, that, you know, I don't have to die to this disease, you know? And I was fortunate because many addicts aren't fortunate in that same regard. Many of us mm-hmm. don't even make up today, right? And so um, that's a little bit about my story. You know, you know, the child, you know, born of innocence, you know, who found out that he was an addict later on and so did my parents and so did my mom and so did you know society and the community, you know.
0: Yeah. So what made you or how did you realize that you were an addict? Like what what was that day like or that situation you were in? Like I don't know about that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think for me, um I I always I think I I think I always I think I always kind of knew um Maybe there was a point where I didn't know, but I, I guess I, I would say like around like high school, right? I was a, I was in the graffiti art, right? I was a graffiti artist. And I was into music and hip hop and all those things. And I remember, I remember smoking weed, you know, and I remember when I first hit the, you know, some some marijuana or whatever, I remember everything became colorful. I remember I felt like I would I I I, I got accepted. I felt like, you know, um, everything in the world made sense. You know what I'm saying? The music sound better, yeah. um, you know, um, sex was better. You know what I'm saying? I could all of a sudden I could talk to all the girls at school, um, you know, I thought I was way smarter than maybe I, I was and I was so smart. I didn't even need to go back to school, right? But I think even from that time, I think I even knew that there was something a little bit more different about me than most of my friends who were indulging, you know, because some of my friends would hit the weed and they go back to class. I hit the weed and I was trying to say, man, like what's next? I'm trying to rob somebody. I'm trying to go downtown. Like there was always something about the drugs that made me react a little bit different. So I knew back then in like high school, you know, maybe in in the early nineties, that my life was taking a different direction and that there was something about these drugs. And I would try to stop. It was just weed then really. Um, and I would try to stop, but I couldn't really put it together. But then I kind of thought like, well, you know what, it's just weed. So it's not a big deal. You know what I'm saying? And then, um, it slowly progressed, you know, it progressed, you know, it went from, from weed, you know what I'm saying? To, um, I remember when the ecstasy had came out, and it was mm-hmm. popping, or at least I found out about ecstasy. I should say it probably had mm-hmm. been out and, uh, started popping e pills. And then I was selling dope. And the next thing, you know, from selling dope, I was smoking it and I was, I thought I was a closet smoker, you know what I'm saying? I thought nobody knew about it. Well, that's what they call a closet smoker is when you're trying to hide, you know, your addiction, you know what I'm saying? And I thought nobody knew about it, but in reality, everybody knew. And uh, so I slowly progressed from marijuana, man, until I would say, you know, around 22, 23, I found myself in the penitentiary. When I found myself in the penitentiary, I do remember this one man um, who kind of took me under his wings cause he was an older person. I always hung out with older people. You know, I always got my information for older people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he told me, he said, hey man, when you get out, I was getting close to getting out. He said, when you get out, I want you to do me a favor. And I said, what's that? He said, I want you to uh, start working on your addiction. And I said, what, Ooh. what are you talking about? I said, man, you're tripping. I don't know what you mean, your addiction. And um, I remember him saying that and he kind of just looked at me. He said, okay, well, man, I think, you know, I think you got an addiction problem. You might want to work on that. You know, you might find yourself back here. And that was a crystal clear moment when I think back on it. Two different points. I kind of knew something was was something was going on. I was in the penitentiary, so, you know, I was removed from drugs. And then when that individual said that, you know what I'm saying? Um, it made me look at, you know, my life like, man, I think I do got a drug problem, but I couldn't really admit it. But then when I got back out, I was trying to put my family back together cause I had children, I had two small children and I was trying to get them back together. And I remember I, I went right back to using and I was saying, damn, I can't believe I'm using again. Mm. And that's when I really knew, oh man, you're 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 a drug addict, you know? And I knew it then, you know what I'm saying? I would struggle back and forth between the drugs and trying to get clean, but I didn't know like how to really stay clean, I just, wanted to get out, but I knew I was an addict for sure. You know, I knew at that point, maybe after those incidents is like, man. I it's- took
0: the penitentiary. <laughs> well, maybe I got a problem. Um, I definitely can relate to that. I think, so I'm, I'm following you here. You were in private school and then you um, started, I'm guessing, hanging out with the wrong crowd. You started um, skipping school to smoke weed. It started, it was a party in the beginning. Um, and then it escalated because the disease of addiction is progressive, like you said. Um, but at the same time, you're self-destructing and you're not realizing it. So um, you you went to the penitentiary, but it did you thought like maybe you know um, I got a problem just because of like the obvious, but it wasn't until somebody. Pointed out like hey you need to work on that like that's your biggest problem and you know i think that's so um that's like your moment of clarity right but what's so amazing about that is when you started working on your addiction you know you that you get into recovery and you started with you know everything that you have your life your job your friends the places you've traveled all of it is connected to recovery in some kind of way so, like, what does that look like, you know? And, and for us, because we're young, you know, and when I pictured um, recovery, I thought of, like, old people with, like, that was toothless or that shot up. And, um, you know, and I thought, like, oh, those are the people that are addicts. I'm not an addict, you know? And um, I even had a, a tough time going into a meeting at first because I was like, my name is Mercedes. And I'm I just didn't want to say it. Like, I didn't want it to all come out. You know, I just I couldn't take it because I thought, Dolphine. I'm a dope fiend. I can't be a model. I can't be desirable. I can't go to law school. You know what I mean? I'm just a dope fiend, but it's all perspective, right? And how you see yourself. So how did you get into recovery? Like, what was that like when you walked in? What happened?
1: Yeah, I have a pretty unique story about recovery. I mean, well, maybe not really too unique uh, to those of us who've been, you know, in recovery, but mine was, it, it sticks out for me. Um, I was I was a person who, um, was in psychosis, you know, I was in psychosis. I was, which means I was going crazy, okay. you know, um, All right. you know, I was going crazy and, um, I had learned a couple of different things. Now, mind you, we're talking about the time had lapsed. I'm talking around 22 years old, you know, 23 years old. I'm in the penitentiary. I get out and, um, I got some assets, I've been had some assets, you know, some great things about me, always have. And then I had some liabilities as well. So what I've seen, what happened was when I had got out, I had got a job at, you know, um, a pretty prestigious company, or excuse me, organization, and I couldn't keep the job, right? Mm -hmm. I got another job and I couldn't keep that one. And then I remember Black Lives Matter had popped off with Trayvon Martin. And at that time I was a community activist And I was pretty well known in the Seattle uh, area for the activism and organizing I was doing, but I still couldn't, I was trying to save, you know, like the whole community and and black folks and be in part, you know, into that, you know, struggle and I was really radicalized, but yet I I, I couldn't seem to, you know, get myself together, you know, and I was battling that, you know what I'm saying? And so what happened was um, I had, got into these habits where I would check in to like a hospital. You know what I'm saying? Uh, when my psychosis had got too bad, you know what I mean? And my psychosis had got so bad that I went up here to Harborview Hospital. And when I try to check in, because um, I really wanted to get a break, they told me, no, you can't come in. Um, we, at this point, I felt like they pretty much figured out my, my little scheme. Every once in a while, you come up here, you're in psychosis. Then you you know you come up here you 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 sleep for a couple of days and then you're right back out and then you're at it again and so they say what you can do is you can go to detox and so someone someone like you just said I said detox I just thought about roaches and you know homeless people and you know all those things I thought I was better than all of that right? right and so but I was so I was so gone you know. Um, that I, I there was just something in me that said you need to just go ahead and do, do the detox and so i went into the detox right and previously before i went into the psychosis well excuse me i was in psychosis before i went to the detox i had called one of my friends and um i called one of my friends and left a message on the machine and i was rapping and i was like you know i want to I wanna stop using, I wanna come shine like a diamond and da dah, 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 all this shit, right? Mm-hmm. And the person was on tour. They were on a world tour at this time um, or a European tour or something like that. And they heard that message. Well, I went to detox, came out of detox and the same person had took me to a meeting before. They took me to uh-huh. one of those 12 meetings before, uh-huh. right? And so I remember When I was in the detox, after I kind of started to slowly come out of the fog, there was something in me that was saying, man, what are you going to do? I had this I had this condo that was literally across the street from the detox. And I used to look at the people who were in the detox because they had this fits and they would sometimes come across and they would try to get cigarettes from the house and all that. And I said, man, these guys are crazy. But I remember leaving the detox saying, you can't go back to the condo because if you go back, you're going to get loaded. If you get loaded, you're going to go right back to the psychosis. And I remember thinking about my, my my homie, my friend, and I said, I must go to one of those meetings. Mm. So I, I went to one of those meetings and I went to the day that I went to that meeting. My friend had came back from his tour and I was in a meeting. My friend came through the door and he looked at me and he was like, bro, what are you doing in, in the meeting? And I was still kind of like out of it. I, I wasn't really there, but I was there. And I was like, bro, I'm trying to stay in the meeting. And he was like, no, what are you doing? What do you want to do? And mm. I was like, I don't know. I'm just in the meeting trying to like in the not go get high. And, and he said, well, you know, I got the resources. And when he said that there was something in me that clicked and I was like, oh, he said, the resources, I said, What you mean, like treatment, like like rehab? He was like, Yep, like rehab. So I said, Oh, okay. I said, Well, I'll go to rehab, no problem. And so he said, Let's go today. And so um, that was my experience. I said, Okay, I'll go to rehab. And I remember I, I had to call the rehab people the same day, and I sat inside the meeting. And I remember sitting inside the meeting and the lady told me, she said, um, she came up to me, she said, are you all right? Everything okay? And I said, yeah, everything's cool. And she said, well, um, you know, you look a little strange. I said, well, I'm on my way to rehab, you know, and you know, I, I was probably just looking crazy. And she said, you're on your way to rehab? I said, yeah, I'm going today. And she said, you know, you're sitting in the middle of a miracle. And I said, wow. And I remember hearing the word miracle And I remember just thinking like, man, miracles are like what's on television. You know what I'm saying? Like, And I needed a miracle. I needed something. Like I needed something like, and so I I held on to like the whole thing and it was really clear to me, like somebody just walked through the door, paid for my rehab. I had left this message. I'm sitting in the middle of a miracle and I got out to treatment and I went to treatment and I'll never forget. I went to a place called Sundown M Ranch in Yakima. And when I went to sundown, well, as soon as we entered sundown, there's on each light pole, there's a there's like a saying. And on the light pole, it said one said this, another one said is, and it said this is the first day for the rest of your life. And I just remember being like, okay, I'm supposed to be here. Like, mm-hmm. this doesn't make no sense. And I, and I think maybe because I was still kind of loopy, where, or was I? but it was so spiritual that it connected to me. Cause I had had judges send me to, you know, to, to uh, go to a NA or whatever, or go to a meeting or whatever. Yes, I
0: mean. mm-hmm.
1: and, and I never cared. It was like want, 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 right. I had gotten into programs and used them for the housing, all those things throughout the years. And they never cared. But there was something about this time where I said, I'm about to be in this program and whatever is happening, I must to take full advantage. And I remember, you know, going to that rehab facility. I remember one day coming to the groups. We used to do group, and I was so happy. And the guy who was running the groups for us, our counselor, said, "Why do you come here so happy every day? Why are you so happy?" And I said, "Man, honestly, because I just was never coming to rehab." Like that wasn't a part of my story. Like I was never one of those people who was coming to rehab and I'm just hella happy that I'm here. And I I think I might not have to get loaded no more. And that feels really good. And he didn't do anything magical. just was like, okay, you know, just kind of gave me a head nod. And although my journey in recovery hasn't been perfect. I don't think there is a perfect journey in recovery, but what I will tell you is I have been open and willing to the concepts of recovery and, and wanting to stay here. And it's, it's just attractive. It's a lifestyle for me. Uh, I'm in recovery. I think when I'm in recovery, the whole community is in recovery. My family's in recovery. Cause I'm safe and we're all safe and it's the better place.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: that's, that's kind of like my real recovery story for me. Um, the one that I could choose to really say that's how it all really happens for me Mercedes. That's, that's what it looked like. And it's, it definitely is a miracle.
0: Okay. So just to paint a picture, um, recovery is different from treatment and rehab there are two, uh treatment and rehab is a, a organization and recovery is a fellowship of people one addict helping another one alcoholic helping another one code whatever whatever your deal is um and in those programs you know the 12 steps right the 12 steps to freedom from that active addiction from that insanity and um, uh, and we work with a spiritual mentor that's what we'll say who walks us through these 12 steps together. And in the midst of it, we find a relationship with God, right? Cause um, we learned that we suffer from a spiritual malady. And so um, because our 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 disease is spiritual in nature, our healing and our solution is uh, spiritual in nature as well. So I see you in meetings and you're on fire and you're happy. But one of the things I see that happens that just shocked me is you're of service. like you go and you start meetings and you open meetings and you're there and you're talking to newcomers in the beginning you're talking to the old timers you're talking to the in-betweeners and you're giving advice and you're giving encouragement and you're making sure that those zoom uh, meetings are open you know and you make people feel really loved and welcome and i also notice when people stop coming you notice and you check on them you know why do you go so hard in that service and what do you get out of that
1: Oh, um. I mean, for me, like I said before, I think, you know, one recovery is, I know it's personal and to each individual is different, right? Like I happen to be a part of a 12 step program. Some people aren't, you know, some people find it in different places, you know what I'm saying? And this is what was shown to me, you know what I'm saying? Um, This particular path. So I'm only doing this, you talked about service, right? I'm only doing what was shown to me by predecessors that laid away a before me, right? Like I had got blessed, like I told you, um, I believe I had got blessed with people who came up and who showed up in my life, who just happened to be a part of 12-step programs. You know what I'm saying? And then I did the following, you know, things that they did. I just followed them, you know? And then I got my, my my sponsor, you know what I'm saying? In particular, he's a service junkie, you know what I'm saying? So, And that doesn't mean because your sponsor's a service junkie or whatever, that you'll be one either. I think it's all up to the individual, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, it's just something that like I personally, it gets me out of myself, you know what I'm saying? Um, it keeps me connected. It keeps me clean. You know what I'm saying? It keeps me involved in my recovery you know what i'm saying and it's just something that i seen that was modeled you know what i mean and so um just like when i was out there when i was using i always knew where to go find quote unquote the good dough you know what i'm saying and so when i came into the rooms i knew i started looking at people you know and i and i and i didn't listen to i mean i listened to a little bit what they said but i watched what they did you know what i'm saying and the ones that really attracted to me and stuck with me were the people who were really living it and live in the program and not really so much talking about cause you could say whatever you want. Like right now we're living in this era where everything's online, you know what I'm saying? So it sounds really good, but if you don't go to any in-person meetings or whatever, how will you get to see how a person lives? You know what I'm saying? But, mm-hmm. you know, I was able to see how folks lived and and, you know, I also did some things immediately out of treatment, you know, like they said, Hey man, you might want to do a Oxford house. You know what I'm saying? Um, you might want to go there, you know, and that was what what they call clean and sober living, you know, where you're living with people um, that are, you know, on the same accord as you who are involved in recovery. They want to take some time to live in a clean environment and work on the recovery. So I did things like that. And inside those houses, they actually practice also service as well. That whole time that I was there living in those houses, I didn't have to be there. I'm, I'm one of them people that actually had a little bit of resources that, you know, I could have stayed somewhere else, but I chose to. And I, and that's another thing. Spiritually, I feel like I've always been a seeker. You know, I've always been a seeker. I've always spiritually been connected and wanting to do something for myself. I think that's why, honestly, I've always been involved with drugs. I think drugs hit so well because I was always looking for something. You know, as soon as I would hit the weed, I'd become a shaman. You know, I, I I was a Buddhist. You know, I was I was spiritually seeking something. You know what I'm saying? And so now that I don't have those substance, I'm still spiritually seeking something, and I found it within the program. And I'll close with this. You know, I know an individual, um, and I asked him. I said, "Hey, you know, why don't you come to meetings?" He said, "Hey man, I don't I don't do meetings." I said, "Why don't you do meetings?" He said, "Because they don't let you forget." And you know that person is doing whatever they're doing in their world, right? So, I, 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 I'm I, I'm also under the, the 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 realization that what I do does it won't work for everyone. Some mm-hmm. people are involved in other spiritual programs. Some people just stay clean. You know what I'm saying? And whatever you do that works for you, that's great. You know what I'm saying? But what works for me and what has worked for me was a 12-step program. You know, and just following suggestions of other people who I wanted to, to emulate in the program as far as in the recovery.
0: Right. So you talked about sponsorship and just to be clear, um, a sponsor is that spiritual mentor that walks you through the 12 steps. And in recovery, we got this saying, like, you know, find someone, a sponsor that um, has what you want. When I first came, I wanted this lady to sponsor me because she had like gold chains and she had gold rings and she was loud and proud and drove like a, a really nice car and, um, custom made. And I thought, man, you know, cause I grew up real poor. And, and I thought like, she's probably going to give me money cause sponsorship. Right. And what I learned though, um, she ended up not being my sponsor because God did for me what I couldn't do for myself. Thank God I didn't pick someone that, you know, I could, that looked cute or, you know, just did those surface things because I had an inner problem like you, you know, there was something missing in my soul that I looked for in pipes and straws and pants and beds and all kinds of places in in reality it was really with me because god's always with us you know like there's always that conscious contact just now we're becoming conscious of it and so like with the sponsorship i know that your sponsor he's great by the way but i see that he is always of service like his whole life is of service and um and what i see is that when you're of service and you help other people and you tell them about the program and help them spiritually God and introduce them to God those needs that you would otherwise be trying to meet get handled by God like you said like you're a miracle like you were in a miracle all these things that were happening for you and all you wanted to do was do the right thing do the next indicated thing right what was it about recovery that made you say like okay I'm buying in like it, you know your uh your sponsor he has he's successful he's you know, looks good, he's got a happy family. Like, were, was it those things? that Was it that he seemed just, you know, um, solid in himself? What was it that um, you just seen in recovery or in your sponsor that you were like, I want that and I'm staying?
1: Oh, um, what was it about recovery that made me want to stay? I was tired, it was the pain. It was the pain, I was tired. Yeah. I, I was tired of being in pain and I stayed just long enough to watch, and it wasn't just my sponsor. Um, it was watching you all in the rooms because I came every day. You know, when I I remember being in the Oxford house, man, and taking that bus, you know, it was scrounging up $1.25 or whatever it was to, to get to a meeting, you know, some really humbling things at that. At least I thought it was humbling, you know, but, I remember going to those meetings and I was in so much pain because I woke up and I'm like how did I get here you know I'm now I'm now I'm, my mind isn't as foggy you know I'm I'm 30 something years old with teenagers um I had let down so many people I'm remembering my mom I'm remembering her investment in me mm. I'm remembering all those things but when I get to recovery, when I get into these rooms I'm hearing the stories in the meetings I'm hearing about people getting their kids back. I'm hearing about them talking about their kids are still saying, you know, hey, I ain't messing with you. Some kids ain't messing with them, but some are getting their kids back. I'm hearing people talk about they're, they're graduating from, from college at, you know, 55 right. with a with a PhD. And I'm like, wow, what's going on? I'm, I'm, I'm hearing somebody coming to a community that's that said that he was a rapist or she was a rapist, that she uh-huh. done things, but they're getting a, a safe environment to share no one's judging them, and they're staying clean, and they're talking about they got thirty years, and now these people are even principals or whatever. And I'm saying, how the hell are you a such and such and such and such? But you, what, what, what happened? So I'm seeing the gifts of of, of recovery open up, and then I'm like, wow, I want what these people have, and it wasn't, and yes, to you, to, and yes, and, and some of that is material, but most of it is spiritual in nature. You know what I'm saying? Because you can't even really attain some of these materialistic things unless you're clean, which being clean is a spiritual principle, right? That's a spiritual, simple spiritual principle. It's being clean and showing up, right? So mm-hmm. I'm watching that unfold. And, um, you know, the, the, the sponsor that I had, I seen them stacking chairs, man, at the end of the meeting, older gentlemen, you know what I'm saying? Stacking chairs. I seen him, you know, talking about his sharing about his wife. Then I seen his wife coming into meetings and they were sharing, you know what I'm saying? Um, about their relationship and still talking about the 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 things, wonderful relationships, but the difficulties. So they're not just talking about the things that happened in the past, but they're talking mm-hmm. about the current reality of what's happening in their lives. I said, This is the most honest community I've ever been in. Mm-hmm. I haven't even been in the honest. This is the like I, I said, this has been happening the whole time. And so right. that's, that's what made me want to stay. All the gifts that started to come later on, you know, were part of the assets that I already had. You know, the truth of the matter is, a lot of these things were just delayed. Like, you know, yeah, I'm an executive director, or yeah, I'm working here, or I got, I'm a father, but those are kind of like delayed and some and some new gifts. I had, I already had assets, right? I already had some liabilities. But the gift was being able to be in recovery to stay long enough to receive all of them and to stay centered in them and to walk through it all. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, you know, that's what make that's what made me stay in recovery. And that's what continues to make me stay in recovery is the miracles of what it just keeps happening. You know, I just keep watching it unfold all the time, you know, like right now, being on this podcast. You hitting me up. You know, I'm like, man, Mercedes second chance. What? I didn't know you had a podcast going on. But these are like the small miracles that I'm seeing. Like miracle. now I see, I see your dreams doing a podcast. Let's go, you know?
0: Right. Yeah, no, it is a miracle. I was thinking that on the way here, I was like, man, I used to be barricaded in the bathroom of some restaurant, not coming out, getting high, with nowhere to go, not a dollar in my pocket. And like, look at my life now, you know? Um. So, if you had any advice to give someone um, and thank you for telling your story, by the way, you know, you're definitely a powerful speaker and you live powerfully, which is most important, very humble person. Um, But if you had any advice to give someone who is thinking about getting clean or, you know, or they want to stay clean or, you know, or even um, somebody that's in recovery and they're not sure if they want to, you know, go back out or if this is for them, like, what would you like? What would you give? What helped you?
1: I would just say, you know, the gifts of recovery, you won't really ever understand them until you, you you get here. You know what I'm saying? Until you get to this place. One, let me just say this. If you're in a place where, you know, you feel like um, maybe it's the drugs, right? Um, I, I really want to stop using, right? Because those aren't normal thoughts that most people have. Like most people who aren't addicts aren't really saying, man, I'm trying to get 30 days off this marijuana or 30 days off this donut even. You know what I'm saying? Most people aren't doing that. So they start identifying like, okay, there's something going on and I'm trying to stop. If you found a community, whatever community works for you, whatever it is, you know, like I said, mine's a 12 step program that i found. found. Um, you know, I'm not representing Narcotics Anonymous, but I go to, I'm an NA member. And so that's what I, that's the program that I'm in. You know what I'm saying? Um, but if you find, you know, there's plenty of things that you can go ahead and look for um that are that are very helpful to to recovery. Um if but if you need some immediate you know help, maybe it's an inpatient treatment you should try. You know, I know that's something that worked for me. I had to go to inpatient. I needed to be around an environment where people weren't using anymore. I needed to just stop, you know, using like forget all the things that come later, you know what I'm saying? But like just for right now for today. I don't wanna use anymore and I can't do it by myself. Is there a place where I can go check myself into and get some immediate help? And I really suggest people to try to look, tap into those places to really, you know, um, to to seek some help, you know what I'm saying? But what I will also say is this, and in closing is I just came back from Africa, right? I went to Nairobi and I was in Kenya and I'm African, you know what I'm saying? African-American, you know what I'm saying? Um, from the diaspora and I'll tell you, when I got to Africa, I could tell you about Africa all I want. I mean, we could sit here for an hour, and I could tell you how black people should probably be in Africa, and this is beautiful, and that, that, I could tell you the whole story. But until I got to Africa, I didn't know what it was like, you know what I'm saying? And me trying to explain to someone who's never been to Africa, they still might not understand. What I want to say is book your ticket, you know what I'm saying? And go, visit yourself. You could talk to me all you want to about it. But until you step foot in recovery the same way, you'll never really know. Give yourself a chance. Give yourself a break. You know mm. what I'm saying? You know, book yourself a ticket, a first class ticket, and stop using just for the day. You know what I'm saying? And you can experience it for yourself. You don't gotta have a mirror or a Mercedes tell you about it. You can come along and you can join it. You know what I'm saying? And and, and get a taste of it yourself.
0: You know. Right. Thank you. And I'm gonna add to that. Uh you what I what I heard is don't leave five minutes before the miracle. Stay. Absolutely. We yeah. just stay, you know, find a 12-step program and stay. And if you don't like the first one, you attend that first meeting, attend six more. That's what they told me. You smoke dope every day, you drink every day, go to a meeting every day. Um, so where can we find you? Where can people um do you have social media or what's going on with Amir?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, you can find me um if you like to on Instagram at Black Amir, you know. Uh, if you want to email me, you can email me at silent works. Uh, g- at gmail.com or facebook amir islam um or you can even just google amir islam you know i'm not hard to find so yeah
0: all right thank you i appreciate you
1: all right appreciate you as well
0: thanks for listening please like share subscribe and visit our website at mercedessecondchance.com second